Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we celebrate Easter Sunday this morning, we are reminded that we who are believers are people of hope. And we are a people of hope because our God is a God of hope. In Romans, we read, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. See, we are here today because of God. We are here today because God is a God of hope. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. It also says Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the verse that we just read here in 1 Peter reminds us that we have a lively hope. The hope that we have is a lively hope. It is not a dead hope. It is not a dying hope. It is not a barely hanging on kind of a hope. It is a living, lively hope. And we have a lively hope because we have a living Savior. Our hope is lively because our hope is in the one who died and rose again from the dead. That is what Easter Sunday is all about. Yes, he was crucified. Yes, he died. Yes, he was buried. But three days later, he rose again from the dead. He rose again, showing his power over death, over the grave, over our sins. And just like we sang, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. See, we are people of hope because our hope is not in a dead man. Our hope is not in a dying man. Our hope is in the Son of God who rose and is alive forevermore. Titus chapter 2 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, today on Easter Sunday, we look back and we celebrate and we praise God for his resurrection. But also Easter Sunday is a reminder that we have something to look forward to. We have something to look forward to in eternal life. We have something to look forward to in that Jesus is coming again. And if he is coming again, we will see him as he is and we will be like him. And we, we will be with him forevermore. And so this morning, I want to ask you all the question, do you have that lively hope that can come only from trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior? This morning, are you saved today? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ and received that lively hope? And I, I want this morning, as we take a look at the Word of God, to see three aspects of salvation that give us a lively hope. The first of which is the person of salvation. The person of salvation gives us a lively hope. Because in verse number three, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy. See, we have hope in Jesus Christ because our Savior is abundantly generous. God is a generous God, and Jesus Christ is a generous Savior. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see in just these few verses that, that God is trying to let us know that God is generous, that God has given you so much and already he has given you out of his riches and out of his abundance and out of his love and he wants you to know all of the fullness of God. But then it is even in, he goes even further in verse number 20 when he says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. There, there's a great hope that is in there because we see that God is able to do even greater than your greatest imagination. Think about the best case scenario in your whole life and God is able to do even better and more abundantly than that. And he says in the very end of that verse, according to the power that worketh in us. See, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves inside of you. And with the Holy Spirit comes the power to be able to accomplish that which God desires. See, our hope is in the Savior, in the person of salvation. And we have a lively hope because he is abundantly generous. Also because he is astonishingly merciful. In verse number three, it continues, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy. See, our salvation is not deserved. We did not earn our salvation because we cannot earn our salvation. But thankfully, God does not give out salvation based on our merit. He gives it out based on his mercy. See, it doesn't matter whether you think that you stack up on the spiritual ladder. It doesn't matter what you think your spiritual report card would be. It doesn't matter how many points you might think that you might score. God says it doesn't matter because we all fall short. The Bible makes it clear for all have come short of the glory of God. We've all come short because of our sin. We have all gone our own way. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But God does not give out salvation based on what we do. God gives out salvation based on what he did. And he is abundantly merciful in giving everyone that mercy. Everyone who calls and asks on him. Verse number 6 of Romans 5 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Notice he didn't die just for people who thought they were pretty good. Not just that he died for people who were religious. Not just people who give money in the offering plate. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, or maybe for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, God gives out his salvation based on his mercy. See, it's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon how many times you go to church how many good things that you might think that you might do in your life. There are no points that you can score with God. The only thing that you can rely upon is the mercy of God, which God gives abundantly. We also see that our Savior is absolutely relentless. In verse number three, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you notice that word there, hath begotten us? again. He has given us life again. 
Because Jesus gave us life in the beginning. We were created by God. We were created for God. Colossians chapter 1 says, All things were created by him and for him. You and I, when we were created, when we were born, we were created by God and for God. But then we went astray. We went our own way. We chose to do the things that we wanted to do instead of what God wanted us to do. We chose to have our way instead of God's way. We chose to sin instead of obey God. And we became lost. God created us, and God created us for him, but then we became lost. But God was not satisfied with that. You know what he did? He said, I want to give them life again. I want to die on that cross so that they can be born again. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have life again. Jesus was not willing to just let us go. He wanted us to have another chance. And maybe you're one of those people that needs another chance. In fact, we're all those people that needed another chance, amen? Amen. Oh, we all went our own way. We all went astray. We all did our own thing. We all wanted to have our way instead of God's way. And God said, that's sin. That's breaking the law. The wages of sin is death. And that's what we were due. But God says, oh, but I love you. And I have mercy for you, an abundant mercy, so much so that I, I want to give you life. And he died on the cross. Jesus Christ was relentless in pursuing your soul so that you could be saved. Jesus did not stop at the false accusations in the courtroom. Jesus did not stop when they blindfolded him and struck him. Jesus did not stop when they jammed a crown of thorns into his head. He did not stop when they whipped him. He did not stop when they crucified him. He did not stop until he could say, it is finished. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to save every lost soul, and that is why we can have a lively hope, because of the person of salvation. But also, I want to take a look at the possession in salvation. What do we get in salvation? Verse number four says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. See, included in God's salvation is an inheritance. And God promises to take those who have trusted Christ as their savior to heaven. And I want us to see how our inheritance is perfect. In verse number four, it says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. See, God uses these three words to describe the inheritance of those that are saved. Incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away. What he means by that, it is that it cannot be improved in any way. It is perfect from top to bottom. It is perfect from the very beginning and perfect until the very end. It will not decay and it will not lose its glory throughout all of eternity. We recently had somebody come by our apartment to fix our garage door. We've been having some issues with our garage door, and uh, it was, you know, kind of acting a little strange. 
and uh, sometimes we would try to open it and close it and it would stop halfway and we thought that was a little unusual and so you know you push the button a couple more times eventually it might close and open and we thought yeah, this probably isn't right this is probably something uh, not too terribly safe I got two little kids I don't want a garage door falling on them and so we called our landlord, we called the management company actually, and uh, said, hey, you know, our garage door is having uh, some issues, and can you send somebody out? And so they sent somebody out. A repairman came by and he said, hey, can I take a look at your garage door? And so I showed him, and I, I opened it, I closed it, and I showed him, and he, said, he was looking around, and he said, oh, okay, you know, I think it might be this part, I'll see if I can order the part, and, and uh, you know, just replace a part, and uh, we'll see. And so uh, you'll probably hear from me in about a week or two, and so... Uh, so uh, in a little while, I got a call from uh, the, uh, the repairman. He said, hey, I got the part, just trying to schedule it out, should be in soon, so I uh, want to come out. And so this last week, he came out, and uh, he came by, and he said, hey, it's going to be really quick. He opened the garage door, pulled the thing apart, you know, switched the part out, put it back in, and I uh, tried it out. And so, uh, so it's, it's working great. And, uh, and so he said, okay, great, okay. And uh, he was about to leave, and he said, oh, by the way, if you have any problems, uh, you don't have to call your management company, you can call me. He said, you could call me because there's a one-year warranty on this, on this part that I ordered. So if you have any problems, then you can just go ahead and give me a call anytime in the next year. If it fails or breaks or whatever, just give me a call, and I'll take a look at it and fix it if you need it. And I said, okay, great. And uh, he, he, he's, he gave me a, that one-year warranty, right? What are warranties? Warranties are guarantees that if this part breaks within the next time period, I will fix it for free, right? So this part of my garage, I got a one-year warranty, right? Anytime in the next 360 whatever days, uh, he'll, he'll repair it for free. And you get warranties on all of your things, right? You buy a phone, right? You might get a 90-day warranty, right? You buy the phone, you take it home, and you notice, hey, there's something wrong. You can take it back. You can say, hey, th this phone is broken. It's not working. And you could, you could bring it back. They'll replace it for you. You might, uh, uh, you might have a, like a 60,000-mile warranty on your car, right? You get a new car. They give you a warranty. If, uh, you know, your transmission has any problems in the first, you know, whatever, 60,000 miles, uh, we'll fix it for you, replace it for you. you. You have all these warranties. You can even buy warranties, right? You know, you go, to the, you go to Best Buy or whatever. You buy a TV. You buy any of the devices. They always ask you, you want to have a warranty through your extended warranty, all of these things? You, you have these warranties. Warranties are guarantees that if the thing breaks within this time period, they will replace it for free. But have you ever thought that in heaven, there are no warranties? You know why? There are no warranties in heaven for your mansion, for your car, or for your phone. There are no warranties in heaven because nothing will break in heaven. Nothing will malfunction in heaven. Nothing will fail in heaven. Because heaven is the perfect place. That's why God can say, your inheritance is incorruptible. It is undefiled. And it fades not away. It is perfect from top to bottom and from the beginning to the very end. Our inheritance is placed in heaven. That's what he says. It is reserved in heaven for you. When you read about this place of heaven, when you go to the book of Revelation, it's incredible. The, the place that God describes that your inheritance is in is an incredible place. It is a place where the foundations are garnished with all manner of precious stones. I went over recently to uh, somebody's house. They just got a new house, and so we went into the house, had, had, had dinner, and uh, you get a tour of the house, right? 
You know, whenever you have, you know, somebody buys a new house, they invite you over, you get a little tour of the house. You get to see the living room, you get to see the backyard, you get to see all of these things. And so they kind of show off the different things that they got. Look at my new garage, look at my new living room, look at my new appliances, look at my bedroom, look at all of these things. And it's great and it's wonderful and I'm happy for them. One thing that nobody has ever showed me in all of the times that I've ever visited anybody's house is the foundation. Nobody looks at the foundation and says, look at that foundation. Yeah, isn't it great? Everybody's like, yeah, this is something that you try to cover over and hide so nobody sees. You need it, but it's not fancy. It's not special. It's not exciting. But God says that the foundation of the walls are garnished with all manner of precious stones. It's something worth looking at. Something worth showing off. The foundations of the walls of heaven are worth taking a look at. And it continues, verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was one pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. The streets in heaven are going to be pure gold. Verse 23 says, the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that heaven is a gated community? You know, you see some of these new houses around, they got some gates, right? You drive by those gates, they're closed, right? Why are they closed? If you don't live here, you're not allowed in, right? If you're a criminal, you want to steal my things, you want to break into my house, you're not allowed in. You have these gates, right? Do you know what heaven is a gated community? There are gates around the city, but do you know what the Bible says? The gates will never close. They'll forever be open. That's what it says. The gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. Heaven is a gated community, but there is no crime in heaven. There is no night in heaven. There is no wickedness in heaven. Verse 27, there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our inheritance, lastly, I want to take a look at is personal. In verse number four, it says that this inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. God's salvation is for you. It's for all of you. Anybody can be saved. And God wants everybody to be saved. See, when we say you can be saved, we mean all of you, every single one of you. I remember one time I saw this um, advertisement for a sweepstakes giveaway, and it was for a car. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to win this car, but why not, right? Why not sign up? You ever think that? You see a sweepstakes? You're like, I'll never win this thing, but hey, you never know. I may as well try and see if I can win something. And so I was about to do it, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure why I did this, but I decided to look at the rules. Did you know there are rules with sweepstakes? And in those rules is a section called eligibility. In this section of eligibility, it said, the sweepstakes is open to legal residents of any of the 50 United States, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and U.S. Virgin Islands, okay? If you live in any of those places, if you are at least 16 years old, or 16 years of age at the time of participation, I thought, hey, I live in America, 
I'm at least 16 years old? Great. Then there was another section that said employees, officers, directors, members, managers, agents, and representatives of, and it gave a list of different companies, companies as well as each of the foregoing entities responsible, affi uh, respective affiliates, subsidiaries, as well as the immediate family members, defined as parents, spouses, children, siblings, and grandparents, and those living in the same household of each such employee, officer, and director. You see this list going on and on? And then he says there, it says there towards the end, and the immediate family members of any such individual. And then it goes on this list. If you are a spouse, if you are an IRS dependent, if you are a biological foster, in-law, adoptive, or stepmother, father, sister, brother, children, wife, or husband, and their respective spouses, regardless of where they reside, and those living in the same household of any such individuals, whether or not related, are not eligible. And I thought, Okay, who is eligible, <laughs> right? You know, I, basically what they were saying is, if you work at this company or any of these companies, one of them was Amazon, <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's a lot of people that work at Amazon. There's a lot of people related to people who work at Amazon. If you are related in any way, live in the same household, any of those things with any of these people, you are not eligible. And I thought, there are tens of millions of people, customers, that are eligible for this sweepstakes giveaway but I am not one of them <laughs> because I was related to somebody who worked in one of these companies. But did you know that when God says things like, the sweepstakes says, you could win a free car. When God says, you could be saved, the eligibility is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you know that? Did you know that you're eligible? Oh, you don't have to search the scriptures and find, find some sort of weird little fine print that says, ah, see, the Bible says that I, I can't be saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you're married to. doesn't matter who your parents are. doesn't matter who your brothers or sisters are. It doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter who you work for. doesn't matter how old or how young you are. If you're alive today, you could be saved. You could have that hope of heaven. You can put your trust in Jesus Christ to say, you, today, you, you might say, well, I've been in church my whole life. That's wonderful. But that doesn't mean that you're saved. You might say, this is my first time coming to church. That's okay. You could be saved today. It doesn't matter. The eligibility is, if you want to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, trusting in Him and Him alone, believing in the Word of God that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, was buried, but three days later, he rose again. You can have that same inheritance in heaven, just like the rest of us who are saved. And that gives us hope. Thirdly, I want to see how the promise of salvation gives us a lively hope. In verse number five, it says, who are kept by the power of God. Our salvation is secure. It is not kept by my power, and it is not kept by your power. It is not kept by your church. The Bible says that God Almighty is the one that secures your salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Here is Paul making his contention. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that should give you hope, that your salvation is secure. And see, you don't ever have to worry about it. You don't have to ever have to go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning and wonder if your salvation's okay. If your salvation made it through the night. Oh, your salvation's always going to make it through the night because God's going to make sure that it is safe. Remember a couple years ago when we first all started hearing about COVID? Remember that? Remember you saw the basketball player didn't take it too seriously and was touching all the microphones and all of these things and then a couple days later found out he had COVID, you know, and remember that? Remember, you know, you know, everybody started shutting down, everybody, and remember the stock market started going down. People are starting to worry about their jobs. They're worried about their retirement. They're worried about all of these things. They're worried about maybe this company is going to go bankrupt. This company is going to file for bankruptcy. This company is going to be gone. What am I going to do with my job? What's going to happen with my retirement? All of these different things. But this thing I know, I don't know what's going to happen in 30 years or 40 years when I retire, I hope. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen at that time. But I know this, my heavenly retirement is secure. It will never go bankrupt. It will never suffer from inflation. It will never encounter supply chain shortages. It will never be hacked because it is secured by God. And that gives us hope. You can go to sleep at night knowing heaven's okay. God's got it under control. You don't ever have to worry about that mansion that you're gonna be at in in heaven for all of eternity, if it's gonna be okay. If somebody's going to rob it, if you're going to be safe there, God says it is secure by my power. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, I, when, when, when I think about the words, the last time, the end days, the end time, I think, oh, that's the very end. Some of you, when you hear about that's the very end, might think that's a long time from now. Maybe many decades from now, many, maybe many centuries from now. But the Bible wants us to know that the last time, it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. Revelation chapter 22, verse number 6. I read some descriptions of heaven that comes from chapter 21 and 22. And verse number 6, he says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, or look, look, is what Jesus is saying. Look, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. You know what God is saying? God is saying, hey, I'm coming soon. That ought to give us hope, amen? Amen. You know, whenever I drive with my kids, they always ask me, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we there yet? And we as God's children, we're asking the same question. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know what God is saying? It's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. I know as kids, when you think it's going to be soon, you think five seconds later. Because when I say soon, five seconds later, they ask me, are we there yet? Okay, no, we're still in the driveway, okay? We haven't even really left yet, okay? But we'll be there soon, I promise. We'll be there soon. And it may feel like a long time. But God is saying compared to all of eternity, it's going to be soon. That ought to give you hope, amen? 
And when you look at the world around you, and you might look at the mess, you might look at all the problems, you might look at all of the difficulties, all, all of the sin that is out there in the world, you might think, oh, I, I don't know what to think about all of this. And God says, hey, heaven is coming soon. And that ought to give us hope, amen? Oh, we're going to be in that place where there's no sin, there's no sorrow, there's no separation, there's no death, there are no tears for all of eternity. I hope that you have that hope. Hey, if you're not saved here today, you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, you can have this kind of a hope. The kind of hope that you can lay your head at night knowing, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I know that my heaven is secure. My salvation is secure. My inheritance is secure. And our salvation is sufficient in this life. In verse number six, it says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What Peter is trying to tell the believers, what he's trying to tell them is, hey, even though you might go through some difficult times, you can have great rejoicing even today. Even though you go through some persecutions, you can rejoice today because you have heaven that's coming up on the horizon. It's going to be there just around the corner and we'll be there in heaven. And that's what Easter Sunday represents for us. It represents salvation and it represents a lively hope. And this morning, I want to ask you once again the question, do you have that lively hope? Are you saved today? I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you give money in an offering plate. I'm not asking if you are a good person. I'm asking, are you saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, having put your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone?